A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Instantclub.net. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Here we go. Five minutes after five o'clock on a Tuesday morning. How are you doing out there? It's the 19th day of November. I am the fabulous Farm Babe, Pam Yankee. Glad to be along with you for the next 55 minutes or so. I'll tell you what, in agriculture, we are so connected to the weather. Some years, that's a good relationship. Then there's years like this where it is a challenge. We're focused all in on weather this morning. The latest crop progress report is out. How much did Wisconsin farmers get done over the weekend? We've got the numbers. Weather is on the minds of a lot of folks connected to agriculture. Is this the new normal that we've got to prepare for? We're talking about that after 5.30. And it's not just corn and soybeans that got hurt by the weather this year. What about our Wisconsin cranberry crop? That's going to be at center stage coming up for the Thanksgiving meal. What can you expect? That's what we do on the Farm Show, keep you connected with food. Weather is on our minds this morning. For today, some light snow could occur across uh, some of our listening area. Still, uh, 39 are expected high for today, so well above freezing. Now, tonight, we could get back to around 32, so got to be careful on some of those uh, driving surfaces. Tomorrow, we bounce up to 43 degrees under mostly cloudy skies. Thursday, clouds and 45, but then we start to cool, cool down again. On Friday, with highs only around 35. Stu Makar, Ag Meteorologist, joining us in about 15 minutes. Your local FS is member-owned. And that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Any mention of warm-up is welcome to me this time of the year. We could use a little warm weather coming into the end of November here. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn. Well, it's not quite the same reference when we're talking about this kind of warm-up, but the Farm Bureau is having its centennial this year. A hundred years of Farm Bureau, and they have a warm-up coming up. Tell us about that, Pam. Yeah, you bet, Scott. Fabulous Farm Bay. Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And at least with this weather, our deer hunters that were successful don't have to worry about uh, rushing to get those deer processed. That maybe is the only bright light with this kind of weather. Hopefully we'll have no travel problems when it comes to the annual meeting of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. That is going to be happening on the 6th of December through the 9th of December. Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. They are at the end of their centennial celebration, but have special plans at this year's convention. Josh Scramlin brings us an update. It's Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report, and I'm sitting down with Bob Leagy. He is the executive director of member relations. Now, Bob, Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. And of those 100, Bob, how many years have you been a part of the organization? I've been here for 30 years. Has it felt like 30 years? Uh, In some ways, yes. And in some ways, it seems like uh, I just got started yesterday. Well, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, I wanted to reflect, and then I wanted to look towards the future because you guys have got some real exciting stuff coming up. Uh, current state of Farm Bureau in Wisconsin. How many members and how many counties? 
We have uh, 47,000 members in 61 county farm bureaus around the state. Uh, But it hasn't really always been that way. So what can you tell me about the beginning? Looking back 10 decades ago, what has it taken to get 47,000 people to join this club? Well, it started with a handful of uh, farmers that were interested in uh, farming or forming an organization that uh, could could create a united voice for agriculture. Uh, it was part of a movement uh, in the late uh, uh, teens, uh, nineteen. Well, really, right after uh, World War One ended, um, the American Farm Bureau had just organized in nineteen nineteen. Handful of counties in southeastern Wisconsin uh, got together. Um, had had a handful of people that uh, wanted to f- organize. And so um, it was uh, a meeting, uh, or a series of meetings uh, in 1919 into 1920 uh, where they uh, organized, formed the Wisconsin Farm Bureau, and uh, on uh, May 28th of 1920, uh, the organization was officially formed. So that's going to be the official birthday, and this is all kind of a a big lead-up, and it's a big time of reflection. So uh, while we're looking back on these last 100 years, what would you say are some of the key moments in the organization's history or things that you guys are really, really proud of? Well, there have been many, uh, and and Farm Bureau's history really uh, uh, follows uh, the the things that have happened in agriculture uh, since the 1920s. Uh, There have been some very challenging times. Um, obviously, during the, the, the Great Depression, um, agriculture felt a significant pinch. And um, as you look at things that have happened politically across this country, um, it, it really has been interesting to see how it parallels agriculture. Um, trade wars, um, you know, uh, embargoes, uh, different things have, have had a significant impact um, on agriculture uh, across the country and in Wisconsin. But if you look at some of the uh, challenges, the, the significant things that have happened, uh, um, you know, and what have gotten us to, to this point today. It has really been um, looking at expanding markets. Uh, it has been um, uh, initiatives uh, in, in dealing with everything from uh, developing new products uh, and new ways of, of uh, uh, plant breeding and, and different things. Uh, we, we had a, a and I've always had a close tie with uh, extension. In the early years of Farm Bureau, as, as more and more counties were, were forming, uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, um, the things that were happening with extension and the development of new hybrids and new technologies were, were uh, uh, kind of disseminated through our county Farm Bureaus. Uh, so in the early years, it was pretty significant just the new advances in agriculture and, and uh, um, ways for farmers to be more profitable. More recently, um, if you look at the past several decades, uh, just dealing with challenges to agriculture, challenges uh, as far as regulation and taxation and, and uh, special interests that, that have uh, uh, had concerns about agriculture, um, you know, Farm Bureau's involvement with, with uh, developing the right to farm law, uh, use value assessment of farmland uh, have been a couple of pretty significant uh, issues that Farm Bureau has been involved with more recently. Now, this year-long 100th anniversary celebration, um, as I said, time for reflection. Does it feel sentimental this whole year? Because uh, we were talking before the interview and uh, at the uh, at the conference in the Dells in December, uh, you guys are going to have exhibits. You're inviting a bunch of people back. It's It's kind of like one big family reunion in a way this past year. 
It really is. And if you think about it, there aren't many organizations that, that can celebrate 100 years of existence. So it's, it's going to be uh, a special event, and we're certainly going to devote some time this year to looking back at our history and the things that have brought us to where we are today. Uh, among the th you know special things that we're going to be doing at this year's annual meeting, we're going to have a large room set aside as sort of a historical exhibit, photos and articles and artifacts and signs and, and things uh, from our first 100 years that people can, who, who may not realize everything that Farm Bureau's been involved in, uh, it will be a, a quite an interesting exhibit of, of 100 years of, of the organization's history. Um, on Saturday evening during the meeting, we're going to uh, have all of the past presidents um, going back to uh, uh, the 1970s. Uh, we're going to be on hand. We're going to have a sort of a panel discussion about significant things that happened during each president's uh, tenure leading the organization over the past several decades. We're also going to have a panel of, of uh, uh, past legislators and past legislative staff talking about some of the uh, significant legislative challenges and issues that Farm Bureau has, has dealt with um, in, in the past several decades as well. Now I want to make sure we have the details right here. So it's the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting and YFA conference taking place December 6th through the 9th this year in the Wisconsin Dells. And you just talked about uh, all the past presidents that are going to be there. The current National American Farm Bureau Federation president is going to be there as well. I'm sure everybody's excited about that. Absolutely. Uh, it isn't often that the American Farm Bureau president comes and addresses uh, our members, um, but uh, on this special occasion, uh, he is going to be our keynote speaker on Sunday, um, just uh, uh, um, meeting with uh, the entire delegation that's there and uh, talking about some of the significant things that are happening at the American Farm Bureau level. The American Farm Bureau celebrated its 100th anniversary last year, and uh, a number of states like Wisconsin are right around their, their 100th anniversary. Um, so it's, it's uh, significant that we can have the American Farm Bureau president be on hand as well. Now, as somebody in your position and everybody in this office, how much planning, how tedious has it been to, to make sure that this is the premier event that it, that it needs to be? Well, it, it truly is a team effort. Uh, all the staff, uh, both uh, here in the Madison office and in the field uh, from all divisions, uh, we, we kind of get together and, and uh, just sort of lay out uh, our vision for what do we want to accomplish at the annual meeting, what are some of the topics that we want to address, um, what special events this year in our centennial did we want to do that would give us a, an appropriate look back at the organization's history. So uh, that whole process really begins early in the calendar year for our December meeting, and uh, it ramps up as, as we go through throughout the year. Mm -hmm. In keeping with the conference, what is the thing that you are most excited about, you personally? It's always exciting to see uh, all of the, the members from, from those 61 county farm bureaus across the state get together in one place. We typically have around 1,100 people there, uh, so I always look forward most just to seeing people that I may not have seen uh, since uh, last year. Uh, you mentioned earlier we, we put out some invitations this year uh, to uh, past staff members, past members of state committees, uh, some of the people who don't necessarily come to the meeting each year, uh, just uh, reminding them that we are celebrating our 100th this year. It's going to be a special event. So uh, we're anticipating seeing some faces that we don't always see uh, on a regular basis as well. So it really is about our members. Finally, as we begin to round things out, if somebody does want to become a Farm Bureau member in, in the centennial year, how can they go about doing that? 
There are several ways that you can become a member of the organization. Uh, if you're inclined, you can go online to WFBF.com. Um, we have a, a page, uh, if you look at the header, you can uh, become a member and join online, pay online. That's the easiest way. Uh, if you want to reach out, uh, you can call the organization um, at 800-261-FARM. Uh, we can uh, arrange to sign you up that way. Or contact your county Farm Bureau president, uh, reach out to your county, and uh, a volunteer can sign you up that way. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I guess, uh, if anything, I'll see you in December, won't I? Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. That is Bob Leakey. He's the executive director of member relations for Wisconsin Farm Bureau. And from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Quality is the promise printed on every bag of Latham high-tech soybean seed. I'm Shannon Latham. Quality is the visible difference in the way our soybeans look, germinate, and perform. Latham has quality numbers for your fields. Ironclad 2186 Liberty Link is best in class for early group two. New 2193 E3 features enlist technology and ironclad protection. And Ironclad 2228R2 is a multiple first trial champion. Pick quality yields. Visit LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. Life can be a struggle for any of us. I just knew that I had to do something to make a change. St. Vincent de Paul of Dane County provides life-changing services to our neighbors in need. Your financial gift supports critical programs in our community. They've really helped me out a great deal. I would really recommend St. Vincent for that backbone to lean on. Help us change a life. By giving the resources to St. Vinny's, people are helping everyday people just like myself. Make your donation today. svdpmadison.org. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. We know you're busy. Give us 80 minutes for our 80 years to make a smart decision on your bath remodel. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. On the job till the cows come home. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Rolling up on 520 now on a Tuesday morning in time to find out what's coming our way weather-wise. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. I was saying to Stu, uh, as farm kids, you always got to pay attention to the harvest. After 530, I've got a closer look at the numbers. But the one number that really struck me, even though the harvest is moving forward, Stu, average corn moisture, according to the state report, came in at 24%. Wow. Oh, come on. That is, uh. I, I've heard it from guys, you know, in conversations. They, they, you know, they always say, boy, the corn's wet. But when you see those numbers now, see, folks, normally you want corn, boy, down in the mid-teens is what I remember if you're going to store it. But, boy, that is just gummy, gummy, gummy. And this weather, this weather's not, we're, we're past the point where weather's going to help us. Yeah, it's not going to help now. Yeah, freeze drying would make a difference, but who wants that right now either? 
<laughs> we have too much moisture around that little light precipitation around yesterday and still a little light rain and snow this morning. The radar indicating some light snow southeast Minnesota into southwest Wisconsin. Rain in northeast Iowa, northwest parts of Illinois, just in the far southern edge of Wisconsin. Sprinkles, flurries, a brief snow shower. That's really what I expect here this morning for almost anybody. And unfortunately, with temperatures right near freezing, could be freezing out a little bit. Be prepared. Little slippery spots here and there may catch you if you're not really on guard. Now, this little disturbance bringing that light precipitation will slip east. South winds kick in. Mild air sticks around. That's all great. But I expect that to mean fog again late tonight on into Wednesday. A little of that fog freezing to windows and maybe the sidewalk, that kind of thing. That's how we start Wednesday. Then the more organized low was edging on in so that by Wednesday night and into Thursdays when we talk more about rain, we mentioned it yesterday, could be up to a half an inch. Right now, the latest map indicating is from, oh, about La Crosse up toward Marinette, Menominee, Iron Mountain. Could be in that half to near three-quarter inch range and a little lighter just to the south of that. But it does appear wet weather will be in store as we make our way through Wednesday night and into the day Thursday. Temperatures stay very mild. Upper 40s. Could be a 50 at La Crosse or even Madison by Thursday. With rain, of course, that means really wet and now, again, really muddy conditions. It does dry out. There is a highlight. It dries out Friday and into the weekend. Stays a little cooler, more like normal, though. That doesn't sound bad either. I'll have the forecast right after this. Compeer Financial helped us get into our forever home. They helped me expand more than acreage. And helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compure Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our unique perspective finds solutions to your challenges. And our specially trained financial team guides you every step of the way. Partner with us to make your goals possible. Compeer.com. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. As a proud sponsor of the WIAA, they care about your community like you do. They believe the communities that support their athletes are the true champions. Visit RuralMutual.com slash WIAA to learn how they support high school athletics. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Yeah, Stan just texted me. Normally you want corn to get about 14 and a half as far as storage. So that 24, a far cry. Maybe that freeze dry is not such a bad idea, Stu. No, but it's not going to happen real soon either. And we got more mud before that. So take that. Yuck. Cloudy skies, a little light snow, freezing rain could pop in here. There, more likely some drizzle, that kind of thing this morning may linger on toward the afternoon. Most of us just about 40 in the low 40s at La Crosse and winds become south about five. Overnight cloudy skies, fog more likely later in the nighttime. Low 30s, southwest winds at five. Morning fog, still a mostly cloudy Wednesday, more mild. Mid-40s, could be a few upper 40s near La Crosse and Mauston. Winds become southeast at 5 to 10. Then rain Wednesday night into Thursday. Rainfall, generally what we're talking about, Pam. Upper 40s, maybe a 50 or so. But like I said, easy up to a half, maybe three-quarters at La Crosse. Oh, I mean, at first you you had me with that nearly 50. You had me there. Oh, yeah. You could have just stopped. Yeah, well, I had to be truthful. <laughs> oh, well, since when? I've known you. <laughs> since, <laughs> all right, man. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks, Stu. Yeah, take care.
Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist with Weather Details. Lacrosse, you've got a little snow shower going on up there. You're at 34 degrees. Mauston, snow shower, 32. Fond du Lac, cloudy and 34. Oshkosh, cloudy and 30 degrees. At the airport in Madison, currently looking at cloudy skies, 32 degrees. We've got more harvest data information from the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service after 5.30. And cranberries struggled this year, too. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and stand up to cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org MLB. Stand up with us. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? It shouldn't be like getting a root canal. Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Give us 80 minutes for 80 years to make a painless decision. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. 
Farming is a competitive business. You need to be tough and smart, and you need to have equipment that you can rely on, which is why farmers entrust their grain handling to Brandt products available at Ziegler Ag Equipment, like the XR Grain Carts, featuring a high-capacity 20-inch discharge auger that unloads up to 620 bushels per minute, making unloading quick and effective. Talk to your Ziegler sales rep about the full line of augers, belts, carts, and vacs, because if you want to be number one, get yourself some worry-free performance from Brandt and lead the field. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. You live the way you want to live, but do you live where you want to live? Chris from Right on Target Real Estate. With interest rates where they are, you could own for less than what you're paying for rent. We have a system in place. Whenever a matching house in the neighborhood of your choice comes on the market, it notifies you so you don't miss out on the best deals when they hit the market. Ask about our recent college graduate incentives. Right on Target Real Estate is really, really confident they can find you a home at an affordable price. Visit rightontargetrealestate.com. To me, it was the tip pass interception, and that just goes to like a 14-point swing. You know, late in the first half, Badgers get that and then turn around and come right back and score, where Nebraska maybe scored. To, to, to you, did that feel like kind of the where the momentum swung on that game? And then much like the Packer game in the second half where the Green Bay blew the doors off the Raiders, the Badgers come out and just blow the doors off Nebraska in the second half? Did you really think that I, – I, I was at that Raider game. I did not look at this game anywhere close to that. Um, Nebraska moved the ball at will – which I guess you know Oakland did as well, but um, I that game was a lot closer than thirty-seven twenty-one. I mean, without two fourth down stops late in that game, it's potentially a, a different looking game. Um, you know, Wisconsin's offense did did enough, but that defense just got shredded. I mean, they gave you gave up two hundred seventy-three yards on the ground. Uh, that was most in this seven game. This for Nebraska, that was the most. Um, but yes, that was a huge. Uh, swing, swing there. I thought there were a couple of different swings. Obviously, you go down seven nothing. You get Aaron Kirkshank the the huge return to make it seven seven. Then you get down fourteen to ten, and the next time you get the ball, you throw it to AJ Taylor, and he breaks three tackles and goes for a score, and you go back up. And then, uh, yeah, the, the interception, field goal, interception, touchdown. That was that was big. So Zach, then you know, try and answer because I, you know, I had this. I was out at. By the way, I'll agree with Ebo. Bloody Mary, anytime yeah, drink. Anytime I had a drink, Bloody baby. Mary, anytime. And I was at a packed bar. I couldn't believe it. I, I went out at a little place in Middleton. I thought it'd be, you know, half full, and it was packed. I don't know if that's the Bloody Marys, uh, the, the Joe Miller actions on Radio Effect, or, or Wisconsin football, or a combination. But I had this debate then after the game, like, okay, is Wisconsin good? Is Nebraska terrible? Is that win, like, blah? Like, to what you just said, how do you make sense? Or do you say, who cares? This isn't week two. There's no longer style points involved. The only thing when you get to late November in the Big Ten is find a way to win 
and they got the win. Do we even care how they got the win on Saturday? They just that the, the only thing we should be focused on is they got the win. Yeah, at this point, you're you're up against the wall. Your back's against the wall. I mean, you don't, it doesn't really matter how you win at this point. Maybe early in the year when you were maybe still in playoff contention, it mattered what your wins look like. At this point, it doesn't matter. Your only goal is to win the Big Ten West, and the only way you win the Big Ten West is if you win your games. And so, yeah, it doesn't really matter how you how you play. But I think if we're sitting here and talking about whether Wisconsin is good, they're good. I just don't know if they're as good as we thought they were earlier in the year when they were sitting at six and zero, especially defensively. Um, I I just don't think uh, I don't think they are, and uh, that is, I think is irrelevant though. Also, um, whether you have confidence whether you can be able to go to Minnesota. That, I think, is a worthwhile conversation, but um, whether they're good or not and whether that win matters or whether how it looks matters in terms of the big picture, probably it doesn't. Hey, Zach, tonight we're going to hear uh, the the camp right here in the zone, um, and for our affiliates out there, you can check it out online. Uh, I want to give a little preview of it, and I saw this, you know, what is the legacy of Jonathan Taylor after he's the first running back to go over 200 yards three times against a team? Are you asking what is his legacy? Yeah, what, like, what do you in, think his legacy? You give us a preview. To, give us a preview. Just a little tease yeah. it a little bit, Iowa. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, think about think about this. The last twenty years, um, Wisconsin in in terms of Big Ten running backs, in terms of uh, career rushing leaders, Wisconsin has five of the top ten: Ron Dane, Melvin Gordon, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Monte Ball, and Anthony Davis. All those great players. And is Jonathan Taylor the best uh, of all those guys? And that is kind of what we, we talked about on the show is how exactly does he measure up with those guys? Um, obviously, we had Monte Ball in the Wisconsin Football Roundtable last week. And, um, you know, he he believes he's still – he was pretty great. He was, and, I, and there's no doubt about that. Um, I just think Jonathan Taylor brings together all the things that all the great running backs had at Wisconsin. Maybe he does them as well as any of them, and it's just all in one guy. Um that's what. That's kind of what we'll talk. We'll talk about during the show. Nice. Okay. So I do want to get to the basketball visit with our visiting with our sports director Zach Copper. And you know, we put this poll up at, at Zone Madison uh, for the Badgers and Packers. You know, who, who are you more confident in winning their division, uh, Green Bay or, or Wisconsin? And overwhelmingly, it's Green Bay. And obviously, simple math, Zach. Six games is greater than two games. To me, it comes down to one game, and that's Minnesota. And you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I had advanced Wisconsin. I said their third team was going to beat Illinois. Obviously, that wasn't the case. I think, knock on wood, lesson learned. I mean, I guess you'd never say never, but we can't see a scenario where Purdue comes in here and scares Wisconsin on Saturday, can we? Coming off a bye, they have a very similar offense. Um, I'd be worried about that. We'll see if Rondale Moore plays. He hasn't played in well over a month and a half, so uh, maybe he Maybe he gets back. I don't know. Either way, I would be concerned about Purdue's offense just because of what we saw Saturday against Nebraska. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. 535 now on a Tuesday morning. It does look like it's going to be fairly mild today. 39 are expected high. Tomorrow, 43. By Thursday, we'll bounce all the way up to 45 degrees. Not necessarily a lot of sunshine, but at least the temperatures will be easier to manage. I'm Pam Yonke. Now... From the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday, 19th day of November, and happy birthday to former Governor Tommy Thompson. He was born on this date back in 1941 in the community of Elroy, where he still is today. Started his career in public service in 1966 as a state representative. He was elected Assistant Assembly Minority Leader in 1973 
and Assembly Minority Leader in 1981. And, and of course, a lot of us know about his 14 years as governor of the great state of Wisconsin, 1987 to 2000. And I'll tell you what, I am pleased to say that I still see Tommy Thompson out there, uh, very connected with agriculture. He farms himself. So if you're listening out there this morning, Tommy, happy birthday, Governor Tom, former Governor Tommy Thompson. And now you know. All right, what we want you to know this morning is that we're all connected to weather, aren't we? And if you're involved in agriculture, that's been kind of a love-hate relationship this year. The cranberry growers took it on the chin just like our corn and soybean growers did. We're talking about that before six. Is this the new normal that we have to become acquainted with when it comes to weather and trying to manage agriculture? Fellow farm broadcaster Denny Guy has a little perspective on that. For most Western farmers, the 2019 growing and harvest season has been just the latest in a four- or five-year string of nail-biter years. Barry Bonsell is a research scientist with Environment and Climate Change Canada, based in Saskatoon. Bonsell said this fall's extended harvest only continued what's been a season of extremes. And he says this harvest may have set a record that many farmers would just as soon forget. Might be the most delayed harvest in 40 years in some areas on the prairies. We've had some really wet growing seasons in areas of the prairies, especially extending maybe into eastern Saskatchewan and Manitoba. In areas where I am, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, we had the, one of the driest springs, May and early June, on record. And then the rain started to come in July. And then as we got more into August and September, above average rainfall, then a, a good cold snap as we got later into late September and October and, and even some early snows that really hampered the harvest. And this may not be a forecast that farmers in Canada or the U.S. want to hear, but Bonsell said these erratic growing and harvest seasons might well be the new normal. We are seeing more variability in our climate. These four or five wet falls in a row, drier springs, drier summers, and interspersed with very intense rainstorms. So these things look like they're going to become part of the new normal of climate, which makes it very difficult to adapt to. We're going to see changes in the precipitation. We're going to see changes in the way that droughts and floods manifest themselves. More flooding, more drought, lasting longer. The warming can manifest itself in in several different ways. Mother Nature is very complex. Farmers tend to be a fairly optimistic bunch, and a common coffee shop refrain is that the warming trends espoused by climate change models should be good news for more northern climates like Canada. Barry Bonsell says the reality is that over a long-term average, it's more complex than that. We're talking about a long-term average. There was just a report that came out, Canada's Changing Climate Report, and there was an assessment looking at the change in growing season length. And on the prairies, since about the late 1940s, we've seen an increase of about a week or so in the growing season. In that average, let's say if it increases by five days, you might have years where it's actually shorter by a week or two, somewhere it's longer by maybe a month or something like that. So when you average that all out, it's maybe a five-day increase, but we still have the year-to-year variability. So even if you do have a nice long growing season, if you don't have the rainfall or the precipitation uh, to go with it, uh, it doesn't really help your agricultural production. Barry Bonsell is a research scientist with Environment and Climate Change Canada based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Reporting from Canada, I'm Dennis Guy. To the soybean farmer who knows the early rise, who's there even when times are hardest, whose fingers bless Wisconsin soil, who sows in our hearts and grows for our children. 
to the soybean farmer, we stand with you. Strengthen the voice of Wisconsin farmers. Join the Wisconsin Soybean Program at wisoybean.org. As a proud sponsor of the WIAA, they care about your community like you do. They believe the communities that support their athletes are the true champions. Visit RuralMutual.com slash WIAA to learn how they support high school athletics. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. 540 on the clock. Like I said, this show is all about weather this morning. The latest crop progress report shows that Wisconsin farmers took advantage of some of the dry weather we had over the weekend to keep moving forward on what is a very slow harvest. As of Sunday, according to the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service, 93% of our corn was mature. Harvest on that corn for grain, 44% complete. Now that's an improvement over a week ago but we're still 21 days behind last year, 18 days behind our five-year average. The condition of the corn was rated 65% good to excellent. That's a two percentage point decline in quality in just one week's time. The silage harvested 95% complete, but here's the other interesting point. The moisture content of the corn harvested for grain was reported at 24%. That is incredibly wet, folks. That means that farmers are going to have to spend a whole lot of money to get that corn dried down, or they're not going to be able to use it as a grain anyhow. They're going to have to feed it out. 77% of our soybeans were harvested. That number didn't change in one week's time. Fall tillage, about 36% of the fall tillage was done. Again, that's about three weeks behind our average. What's the market talking about this morning? Is it the delayed harvest? Mark Oppold's got our bottom line. March corn revisiting lows from mid-September, which at the time were multi-year lows near 365. Bottom line analysts suggest pricing in here leaves very little risk for further downside pressure. Weekly average profit margins for Iowa ethanol plants is the highest since August of 2018. And indications are Brazil may be running low on their old crop supplies for export. Momentum indicators are bottoming out for soybeans. The October crush for was a monthly record over 175 million bushels. Managed money traders decreased their long positions by 27,000 contracts just last week alone. This is the bottom line report. February live cattle futures remain a huge premium to cash prices if slaughter weights continue higher Placements increase, that gap is going to narrow. And we could see turnaround Tuesday in hogs today, although last week's slaughter over 2.74 million was a new record. I'm Mark Oppold, wishing you a profitable day. Barrel cheese in Chicago dropped four and a quarter cents yesterday to two fifteen and a half. Forty pound block cheese was down two and a quarter, one eighty six and three quarters, while double A butter gained three quarters of a cent yesterday, two oh seven and a half per pound. Now in overnight trade, December milk's down two at eighteen forty five, January up two at seventeen ninety a hundredweight. Like Mark said, we touched on some lows yesterday, but in overnight trade, December corn's up three quarters of a cent at three sixty eight and a half. January beans up two and a quarter right now, nine twelve and a half. December wheat's unchanged, July new crop down a half. Currently, 517 and a quarter. 
All right, coming up in just a moment, it's not just corn and soybean growers that struggled with this growing season. So did our Wisconsin cranberry growers. With Thanksgiving on the horizon, what do you consumers need to know about that red fruit at the center of the plate? We're talking about it next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Here at Prairie Estates Genetics, we provide dairy farmers with high-quality silage minus the risks. You see, by combining our next-gen seed and next-gen forage management services, we're able to help dairy farmers improve harvest consistency, feed consistency, and milk production consistency. So why not do the same for your farm? Visit prairieestatesgenetics.com and see how you can make next year's harvest your best one yet. Prairie Estates Genetics, the future of forage is here. For generations, Goodman's Jewelers has been known as the Diamond Store of Madison and a whole lot more. John Hayes for Goodman's Jewelers. We're proud of our long-standing reputation. We're proud of our long-standing reputation. Here's one of our most loyal customers, Paul Chris. Trust, service, and selection. Those are the standards of Goodman's Jewelers. How do I know that? I've been a Goodman's customer for decades and will continue to be. In fact, my entire family shops at Goodman's. No matter the season or the occasion, I know Goodman's Jewelers will deliver, and that's why I shop there. Goodman's Jewelers, a destination worth reaching, 220 State Street. Chicken, sheep, and cows, oh my. It's time for the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. We've heard a lot this year about how the harvest has gone in 2019 for a lot of our main crops. But what about some of the other crops that Wisconsin is well known for? I'm thinking about cranberries. And as the holidays approach, of course, they're going to be used in Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners. But how are the 2019 cranberries looking? I talked with Tom Lochner, who's the executive director of the Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association, about how the harvest went for cranberries in 2019. Well, this year's harvest was uh, a little little bit of a disappointment for growers in that uh, the uh, actual production here in Wisconsin is down about uh, oh, 15 to 20 percent below what the uh, earlier projections were for the crop. So we'll bring in a crop uh, right now. The numbers are very preliminary, but the expectation is a crop of 470 million pounds of fruit when we were projected to bring in about 520 to 550 million pounds of fruit. So we're, we're off significantly um, from what the projections were. What were some of the factors that would have caused that decrease? Well, it's like everybody else in agriculture, we're dependent upon Mother Nature, and uh, she wasn't too good to us this year. Uh, we had a late start to the spring. It was cold and wet, um, so the earlier varieties um, really never caught up during the growing season. Normally, we can uh, have some time during the season um, 
that the weather isn't optimal, but eventually when it warms up, the vines catch up. But this year, uh, we had a late spring. It was wet. It was cold. Um, we had pretty good uh, fr- uh, flowering during bloom in June, but then in July and August is when we uh, needed warm weather to get the fruit to size up, and we just didn't get that. As a result, uh, when we came to harvest in September and uh, October, the fruit was smaller than expected, um, and that imp- that was uh, the main reason for the uh, crop being smaller. Although the, the quality is r- very high this year, um, the, the size and number of the fruit are uh, uh, smaller than what we would want for uh, an optimal harvest. You're saying that the quality is really good. What impacts the quality? Is it those same kind of just general weather factors, or are there other things that may play into that? It, it's it's general factors in, in crop development during the year. Um, and because we were a little bit cooler, we saw, uh, for instance, less disease and maybe a little less insect pressure. Um, the fruit did get, the, get a chance to... Uh, uh, form up during September and October, and uh, what it does is it develops a, a layer uh, of the skin, um, becomes a, a lot firmer and a little bit thicker, and that makes for a better berry. So um, we had the weather, um, I guess, to help us get some good quality, but uh, again, the quantity was off. And for this year's harvest, were you able to harvest at the same time frame you normally do, or did you guys see any issues during harvest itself? Well, I think uh, most growers uh, were delayed a bit. Um, we were waiting for color to come on. Um, the crop was late in, in coloring up, and that's due, again, to weather. We like to see some cool nights um, so that the uh, uh, cold temperatures bring on the, the red color in the fruit. That's how it emerges, along with the, the amount of sunlight that they get or the length of day. And it was uh, a bit warmer in September when we would want them to color up, so some growers had to hold off for a week or two. Um, before they started harvest, but uh, I think generally we finished up in the normal time frame of uh, uh, probably six weeks or so. And were there any varieties overall that maybe handled these cool this cool year overall a little better than others? Um, probably not. I think across the board we saw that yields were, were off on uh, all the varieties, whether they were early, mid-season, or late. Um, the majority of the acreage in Wisconsin is in a Stevens variety, and that's probably 50 to 60% of the acreage here in the state. Stevens usually perform well from year to year, but this year they're, um, they were just off. Um, and again, the, the fruit size wasn't uh, um, where we needed it to be, and uh, as a result, uh, uh, the poor performance by Stevens this year, uh, we saw a decreased crop. And are you guys in the process of preparing for winter right now? <laughs> yes, we are. Um, I know there might be a grower or two left who's uh, harvesting fresh fruit, and I imagine they're battling some ice this morning and, and all of that. But w- once the crop's brought in, growers start to uh, put uh, prepare for winter by uh, take, cleaning up the irrigation systems and getting them uh, conditioned for winter, um, man- maybe making some uh, adjustments in some of the water control structures. They'll um, begin to take a look at uh, uh, working on some equipment that might need work over the winter time, and they're planning for uh, uh, next season if they're going to take some beds out of production or renovate some beds. They're probably doing that this time of year. But in general, it is. One grower told me the other day that the harvest time is the fun time, but after it gets done, then you have to go back to work. And I think that's what uh, most of the growers are doing. Although. 
once uh, deer hunting comes around, I'm sure um, that week will be uh, uh, a week off for most of the people, and then they'll return and get back at it. If I'm not mistaken, sometimes for the winter you'll put like a layer of water in there so that kind of freezes over the plants to kind of insulate them. Are some of the growers looking at starting that already as well? Um, it's a little too warm for that. They'll look for the, the weather to be near zero, and usually that comes in later in December um, when they start to put on the winter flood. Um, we'll try to get a layer of 12 to 18 inches of ice. Um, the more the better they, they can get on the vines, um, and then that ice serves as a uh, to protect the vines and the buds on the, the vines over winter time um, from desiccation by um, some uh, cold weather that we get here. Uh, it serves as an ice mulch, uh, essentially. Um, and when we have the ice on, uh, every three to four years, growers will uh, drive out onto the ice with dump trucks and put down a half inch to an inch layer of sand. Um, and that sand settles down on the vines in the spring, and it encourages new root growth and new upright growth. It serves as a, a process to rejuvenate the plant, and it also covers up some of the weed seeds that may be there, some of the insect eggs, and some of the disease and the trash as well. So um, we'll start putting the flood on as soon as it gets to zero. I hope that's a, a little ways away. And then uh, um, once we get that a little bit of a warm-up in uh, January, they'll, in March, February, they'll start putting uh, starts the sanding activities for the winter. Well, I'm also hoping that those zero-degree days are a little farther away than right now as well. I didn't realize that it waited that long. I thought it happened earlier in the season, so I'm glad I was able to learn something new. Well, sure, yeah. We, I, I, an old-time, old, I shouldn't say old-time, but uh, one grower told me, he said he, he, he wished that we'd go back to the old days when we got two weeks of 20 below and it was easy to flood. And uh, I, I don't know how many people think that's the good old days, but, uh, you know, it depends on uh, your perspective on <laughs> on the weather uh, and how things move along. I guess so. And is there anything that I'm missing right now regarding the 2019 harvest or looking ahead to the winter of 2019-2020? I think right now, as I said, growers are uh, wrapping up the harvest and getting ready for winter. And we'll start as an organization. Um, uh, we'll, we'll hold a uh, next week we have a, a meeting with some of our growers and research faculty and crop consultants where we evaluate the growing season and then spend some time talking about research for the upcoming year and the upcoming two to three years and try and get our uh, research program aligned with uh, what the growers' needs are here in the state. And once we get that started, we also have education programs coming up, and then uh, we'll develop our research funding budget to uh, disperse that probably in in March. And uh, wintertime is uh, time to get ready for next year and um most of the growers will be looking forward to doing that. It's a bit, it's still a busy time for us, but we try to take some time off for the holidays as well. Well, thank you so much, Tom. That was Tom Lochner, the Executive Director of the Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association, talking about how their 